Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. We are coming off of Can Week, virtual can, but still a harrowing and uh, exhausting week of constant daily announcements and uh, live streams. Uh, it's it's been it's been wild. With me, as always, is Shannon Miller, Adweek's uh, creative and inclusion editor. Shannon, uh, thanks so much for being here, and thanks for all you did to cover uh, Can. This was your first Can with us. Uh, how, how how are you feeling? Um, awake. Um, <laughs> as opposed to when I had to wake up to cover um, said festival. But um, yeah, this was definitely a uh, very interesting inauguration. Yeah. So as as many probably know, uh, there was no Cannes Festival last year because of COVID. Uh, there is no in-person festival this year. They did a fully virtual festival, which meant daily uh, kind of live streams, uh, not exactly timed perfectly for Americans. Uh, we had to get up quite early to catch any of this, uh, but it was interesting. With us to talk about uh, the winners, uh, we obviously previewed this uh, quite a bit last week, and uh, we've been talking about awards on the last few episodes, uh, but now we know. We know everything that won, and so with us to talk about that is Kyle O'Brien, agency's reporter with us here at Adweek. Kyle, uh, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. And also welcome Emmy Lederman, who is a e-commerce reporter here at Adweek. Emmy, thanks so much for making time for us. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. Well, we have got a lot, a lot of categories we could talk about. Um, first, I would say let's uh, let's just cover the big ones, the ones that got uh, the most Grand Prix, which of course is the kind of best in show or best in category across each of these. Um, you know, there are there are something like twenty eight uh, categories of lions. Um, so I will I will just kind of quickly recap uh, the ones that uh, got the most Grand Prix. I believe uh, the only one that got four, we're still kind of waiting on some final confirmation, but the only one that got four uh, was Womb Stories. This is from AMV BBDO uh, for SD's brands, which include Labress and Bodyform. Uh, we've talked about this quite a bit, so I won't go too deep into it. But Shannon, it felt like it, uh, it did about as well as we thought. I mean, four puts it on par with uh, Fearless Girl. I mean, this is not a whole lot of campaign 
lines get for Grand Prix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was pretty much a sort of foregone notion that this was going to be a big winner and and didn't disappoint. So <laughs> in all of the awards, when you consider that this is a pretty stacked award season, considering that it has to cover two years, um, for that to be one of the most resonant ads um, of the past two years is, is yeah, pretty, pretty on par. So yeah, huge winner. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other, let's see, who else got quite a few? Uh, with three was the the uh, Stevenage Challenge. I'm probably mispronouncing that since I'm not a good English soccer fan. Uh, but uh, this was a Burger King campaign. And uh, this one, uh, three Grand Prix uh, in, uh, let's see, brand experience and activation is one, direct lions and social influencer. So this one, just to kind of give everybody, if you missed, missed it, uh, this was a really interesting idea. Uh, Burger King essentially could not afford to um, to sponsor a a real kind of A plus uh, Premier League team uh, in in Europe. So instead, they sponsored the dead last team, I believe, in the fourth tier of English football, uh, as a team called Stevenage, uh, and they. Uh, they, the only reason they sponsored them is so that the Burger King logo could go on the jerseys. And then when EA uh, FIFA 20 came out, the very popular soccer game, it would have to include this team because it includes all the teams. And then Burger King challenged everyone to play career mode as Stevenage and then to recruit as many like star players onto your team as you possibly could so that Burger King could have, you know, these Cristiano Ronaldo type guys uh, wearing the Burger King jersey. Uh, so it was kind of a workaround uh, for for sponsorships uh, and a great way to to kind of force celebrity players. Did, did any of y'all have any uh, thoughts about this one? It was it was clearly a jury favorite. I, I would guess ninety nine point nine percent of average consumers have never heard of this, but uh, but but one that juries loved. Uh, what do you think? Well, okay, this is Kyle. Uh, I thought I, I thought it was a brilliant thing because I am an English soccer fan and I had never even heard of Stevenage before because they've probably always been in the fourth tier. Uh, I liked that uh, they they acknowledged this. I thought David did a really good job. But at the same time, uh, it didn't get acknowledged. The, the follow-up to this was actually with the women. They uh, sponsored the women's soccer team. And that that was a, a big deal. And I, I don't know why that wasn't included in some of this uh, some of these campaigns. But yeah, uh, I wonder if that one is on the next awards cycle, maybe. It might be. It might be because it did come out a bit later. Yeah, so. that was my only thought because that one I think would have actually done better. Um, so we will we'll yeah. probably be talking about that one again. Um, it, yeah, this this is, as uh, Kyle mentions, this is from David, uh, the agency network owned by Ogilvy, that, uh, specifically their Miami and Madrid offices. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, not to like sound contrarian on this. I think there's always a campaign that does very well at Cannes that I'm always like, yeah, Um Maybe this is a bit much uh, to say that it deserved uh, that many Grand Prix uh, for something that is basically just like, hey, look, we found a clever workaround. Shannon, what I like about it is that it gets at the gaming as a platform idea, which not to sound like, you know, a big dork, but I think is really interesting. I I think you you look at Fortnite, you look at these, you know, really defining kind of platforms of this past year. A lot of them were gaming. I mean, even things like Animal Crossing is a platform, if you think about it right. We saw this a lot with Wendy's, you know, Wendy's uh, and VMLY and Arkansas City did a lot of stuff to bring Wendy's into gaming spaces and really kind of make good use of that. Uh, so I don't know. It feels like there's something there that it will make marketers actually think beyond just, oh, I could sponsor an esports team. 
And that's why I was drawn to this campaign um, in particular, because um, I did think it did. I think it made great use of the platform right as brands are really turning to gaming much more. Like we have two pieces coming up that are gaming related. Um, a lot of brands are kind of now flocking to gaming as a way to get their products out to younger generations. So I don't know if this was necessarily like ahead of the curve because we've seen this before in, in, in other areas, but I do like that it's getting such great recognition and will maybe encourage other brands to look towards gaming as you said, a, a viable medium other outside of just sponsorship. Yeah, I, I think we throw around words like uh, hacks, you know, like when you talk about these kind of workarounds for things. But I do think that they are really interesting. I think can tends to maybe and juries tend to maybe over favor these kinds of clever workarounds because sometimes you're just like, yes, it is it is clever. I, I would say I generally preferred, although I, I doubt it'll get near as much publicity, but there was another campaign recently uh, where a young victim of uh, knife violence in the UK who had a to be a professional soccer player uh, was added into FIFA uh, as a, you know, as kind of an extra player you could recruit. Uh, and that was a nonprofit, uh, you know, effort to raise awareness against knife violence. And so it was basically if he had achieved his dream, this is where he would have gotten, uh, you know, to compete on this level. Uh, but he did not. And, you know, that that's a hell of an idea. Um, and so I, I think we're going to see more of these of of people now. Now the downside of things like this is that once juries see it once, they kind of never want to see it again. <laughs> so it'll be like, well, that yep. is a that is a better version of this. But I've already seen it three years ago, and therefore I am not going to vote for it. Um, but let's let's quickly so that we can get into each of your favorites. I'll just uh, kind of quickly go over uh, the other big winners. We had uh, naming the invisible uh, from Ogilvy Pakistan uh, was uh, won two Grand Prix in media and mobile, and then Sick Beats. Uh, won two Grand Prix as well in pharma and then radio and audio. Uh, Shannon, you were staying on top of that one. Tell us about Sick Beats. Uh, so Sick Beats is um, technology from uh, was it Wu Wojer W O O. Yeah, so it's um, technology that helps um, people with cystic fibrosis. So when you have cystic cystic fibrosis, you have to wear a vest. Um, in the morning that um, basically pulsates into your chest to clear your airways of mucus. And it's a very um, unpleasant process. But with Sick Beats, they create a technology that syncs with music. And um, they had children with cystic fibrosis try out the technology. So you see these like little kids with this really cool vest and they're able to like pump Justin Bieber into their chest to clear out their airway to clear out their air passages so it was a really it was a really cool way to sort of diversify how we look at how we look at accessibility and how we can implement music into these practices because technically typically with music we only consider it for like speech therapy but it has a lot of really excellent uses in in other areas so i thought this was this was a really touching and cool campaign it's always nice just to see really happy kids so yeah it was just a a really cool effort from Luger and i believe it's i think it was fcb health i think yeah 
Uh, so, speaking of FCB, we'll, we'll get into agencies uh, soon, but man, it felt like every every third campaign was FCB, Kyle. Yeah, no, they they really had uh, a lot in, and I thought, uh, I you know, I, they stepped up and they did a really good job this year. Um, now, of course, I'm trying to remember what they all are. But, uh, I mean, they, they did uh, boards of they, change in Chicago. They oh, that's um, right. Yeah, that was they great. had. I think they had two titanium winners. Um, yeah, just it just uh, felt like. You, uh, you, you, you just would trip over FCB campaigns, um, you know, in almost every category. They ended up winning uh, Network of the Year, right? Yes, I was going to say they became the Network of the Festival. So, and considering we're going two years on that, that's a pretty impressive I mean, haul. For not, that. not to, you know, like do this retroactive, like we told you so, but we named FCB as our Global Agency of the Year last year. And I think there was some uh, skepticism around that. Uh, just honestly, every year that we name any agency that's not like Wyden and Kennedy, then everyone's just like, why? Why would you do that? Um, and the the answer is that FCB had a really tremendous year last year in terms of growth, in terms of health, in terms of like uh, there, it was really a financial more than a creative uh, honor uh, because not a lot of people had huge creative home runs last year, but FCB like really was putting into place. I, I would put it on par with the year that we named maybe like five years ago. We named Wyden and Kennedy our Global Agency of the Year because they were putting into, even though they had had 0% revenue growth, they were putting into place what you could tell was this uh, soon to be dominant uh, structure and it did. You know, the next two years, Wyden Kennedy was on an absolute, you know, crushing tear of of winning and and cranking out killer work. We saw that with FCB uh, at the end of last year. Um, and uh, I, for those who didn't read the article, I think there was some people would be like, "Why? Why would you choose them?" I'm like, "Well, you could read the article, but also I think there's um, there's a you know a really good case to be made." And sure enough, here they are, just absolutely. Uh, destroying. And what's interesting is we kind of picked the one year that they, there, well, there was no can, but the year before that, FCB really got on the map with a Whopper Detour uh, for Burger King. Right. They were not a Burger King agency before that. So it was really kind of put them on the map and it became one of the biggest winners at Cannes uh, two years ago. So good, good, uh, good year for FCB. Congrats to Susan Cradle and everyone over there. We'll get back to probably agencies in a little bit, but uh, Emmy, tell me, you covered uh, the creative e-commerce lines. You covered uh, the the always mouthful sustainable development goals lions, uh, which is the uh, SDG lions that are supposed to promote the UN's global goals. Of all those, uh, were there any big winners, either gold or Grand Prix, that jumped out at you as just ones that you thought were really, really worth talking about? Yeah, so I really enjoyed the creative e-commerce and um, what CAN decided to honor there because obviously in 2020 was the year of e-commerce innovation and there's so much that we can talk about between, um, you know, AR and, and just the different ways that brands that were already kind of uniquely placed to um, advance in a e-commerce digital way when the pandemic hit. There, There's a lot of impressive stuff there, but I think that CAN did a really good job at, at honoring the people that helped save jobs um, and going back to, I guess you could say more of the basics of digital um, digital commerce. So we have um, this newspaper that's based in the UK that created that um, its whole revenue model, it's called raising, or it's called the big issue. And it hires people as um, people that are living in poverty as an alternative to begging. Um, and has them, you know, sell their products on the streets. But when the pandemic hit, they went from selling, I think they said 80,000 copies a week to zero. So they really had to quickly pivot to make sure that these people still had a job. 
Um, so I think that it was really interesting. They partnered with LinkedIn and they were basically able to recreate an entire roadmap using people's LinkedIn profiles and their status as employee um, as employees, figuring out you know where these where these vendors were positioned. And they created um, e-commerce profiles for all of their vendors and and gave them a space on LinkedIn. So I think kind of that impact is twofold. One, the fact that they were able to save their business model because um, the big issue was was in big danger at the beginning of the pandemic, but also um, changing the way that people view professionals on LinkedIn and making it a more inclusive space. I think this was a really important campaign for that. Yeah, I moderated a, one of Cannes' virtual discussions was with uh, Tiffany Rolf, who was the jury president uh, for creative e-commerce. Uh, she's also the global CCO for RGA. And she and I talked about the fact that a lot of a lot of brands say that they have that they create uh, campaigns with empathy and and often what they mean is sympathy like it's a lot of times it's like look at these people feel bad for them we're giving them money to make them feel better uh this this was a real campaign of empathy you know you are elevating the humanity and the peer nature of people who are at risk of homelessness and you're you're bringing them to LinkedIn you're putting them alongside the executives that they used to sell these uh, newspapers to uh, you know each week and it's uh yeah it's, and then giving them a platform it's it's like uh, the campaigns we saw about um, you know helping people who don't have a job uh, getting them a suit uh, for job interviews things like that you're just you're elevating people to, you know, more equal standing. And it just felt good. I like that one. I, th- I think it was called Raising Profiles was the official name of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And talk about when you talk about all of these campaigns um, and brands that are kind of just tied to lip service and don't always end up um, following through with what they promise. I think that this was a great example of how these vendors were able to actually increase their sales um, who were that were already successful were able to increase their sales on LinkedIn. And then um, for Grand Prix, the other winner, winner was Tienda Cerca, which is started out in um, Colombia and it was created by um, AMB there. And basically um, the, the campaign, the agency and the brand were able to digitalize an entire country's worth of convenience stores, which make up 52% of their um, economy, their, their revenue there, and, and is really a huge part of their culture. When you live in Colombia, it's, it's like you go to the convenience store that's owned by, by your friends or your family or someone that you're close to. So, and they, they never had a digital model. So I just think it was really impressive. It's, it was such a simple technology, you know, something similar to, I think they used Waze, the, the driver app to power it. But again, such a simple technology, but something that made a huge impact. And I think that Can did a nice job this year at, at looking at the impact opposed to just, you know, the e-commerce um, tools themselves. And like, who's making the most billions of dollars? I mean, this has been... This has been a rough year and a half in terms of thinking about e-commerce. We've all come to rely on it uh, more than ever, uh, but we've also watched the rich get much, much richer uh, while everyone else uh, gets phenomenally worse off. And it, you know that I struggled with that. I, you know, going into these e-commerce lands, I was like, "Am I just going to see some some fat cat major, um, you know, e-commerce platform?" like doing better. And in the end, like the, I think there's a reason that the winners went to these ones who are really helping use those platforms for good and, and helping others. Uh, Kyle, 
were there any um, th- that you covered that jumped out to you as uh, ones that are good examples or that people might have missed uh, the first time around? Okay, so I think uh, creative data really um, is one of those cam- uh, one of those categories that people don't think about a lot because creative and data for so long never even talked to each other. And uh, you know, the creative data Grand Prix winner was Rothko Salis. Now we talked about sick beats earlier, and Shannon, I know you discussed that uh, that sometimes. Uh, creative data can be used for uh, speech therapy. And this one was uh, by Rothko, the Accenture uh, agency. They did a tremendous job of kind of making speech therapy fun for kids. And uh, I, I thought I thought that uh, that was a very well-deserving Grand Prix. Yeah, it was. Uh, it re- helped me remember it was the, uh, it was like Spotify playlists of songs that are specifically good for helping you uh, work through a lisp, right? Exactly. So, I, well, any, any form of speech therapy. So yeah, if the, if the kids who, you know, can't pronounce words uh, correctly, they uh, curate these targeted playlists that reimagine the experience of practicing, you know, speech sounds for children. And uh, they put it on exclusively on Apple Music so the kids can learn and have a sense of fun while doing it. So I thought that was a that was a really nice one. Um, jumping over to the uh, entertainment. Oh, well, I did the, love the fact that uh, Lil Nas X won. That's, you know, I that, camp, that campaign was all over the place, of course, but uh, um, the fact that he, you know, is just a, uh, advertising and marketing juggernaut is is great i really enjoyed that so the but the other one um that i really like and i know shane can speak to this as well but uh Xinyi realty uh in taiwan um won the entertainment lion grand prix uh, and uh it, it this is an absolutely touching film about uh, a couple she works at the uh, bureau of licenses so she sees um, weddings and divorces every day. And she kind of categorizes them and it talks about it with her boyfriend who she can see wants to get married. And she's very hesitant because she, she sees so many divorces all the time. But uh, as it goes on, they, they talk more and more. And finally, she realizes that she can't wait anymore, just like she can't wait for a place to live. And I, I, you know, it seems weird to tie realty to love, but it very much worked in this campaign. So I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was one of those when we were watching. I had not seen it before the award ceremony and just watching. I was like, I have no idea where this is going, uh, which are always fun. And speaking of having no idea where something's going, I think it's time to talk about film. I think we're ready emotionally. I think we've had time to process one of the weirdest things I have ever seen. I could just stop there. Just one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, but, I think that everyone is going to know exactly what we're talking about. Or, or, preface. or no one. No one. So... Stick with us. We're going to take a little break. Uh, when we're back, we will talk about this year's film winners, most of which were, uh, you know, somewhat obvious, and one of which was was something, was something. So we'll be right back to talk about that one. All right, we're back. Uh, every year, film is famously the most, uh, I, I would say, the, the most high profile. I think titanium lions have kind of become uh, probably the most uh, desired lions at the festival each year. But uh, film is where Cannes got its start. Of course, it's still linked in many people's hearts to the Cannes Film Festival, and this is kind of seen as the advertising film festival. Uh, so uh, quite a few quite a few winners, quite a few Grand Prix this year. I think we had something like three Grand Prix uh, in that one, uh, which is is very rare, but it's probably because they had uh, two um, two years worth of, of you know, work to go through. Um, but as I mentioned before we went to the break, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen uh, was, <laughs> was on this one. Uh, it's called Eternal Pregnancy 
Uh, this is <laughs> from Belgium, uh, produced by Czar Brussels uh, and entered by, I, I, I think it's called Mortier Brigade. Uh, this whole thing from beginning to end, uh, I will just say, look it up. It's called Eternal Pregnancy. You can find it. Uh, and it's it's in English. Uh, it's got the, the premise is that a uh, it, it is it is about equal pay. It is about how women should not have to choose between having children and their careers, uh, which I'm sure we can all get behind. The visual for that is a woman uh, having a pregnancy that goes on through her entire career, and specifically her water is breaking through pretty much her entire career. Um, I it, it was fun watching our Slack conversation whenever, you know, as these were being presented, and I think that's the one where all of us were just like, what is, what, what is happening right now? I will just say to give a sense of how weird it gets, at one point uh, the woman is standing at the sink washing her hands and a, and a guy gets impatient behind her and starts washing his hands in the, the her water that's pouring down from her. That was the moment where I was like, am I on the wrong website? Did I... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if that was just supposed to be like comedic relief or, or added to the cause, that little washing hands bit. Um <laughs> But I would say, yeah, definitely an interesting campaign. Warshire Brigade has um, worked with, uh, I guess, the Equal Pay nonprofit organization on other campaigns that are a little bit more, I guess you could say, like friendly to all audiences if, if you're interested in supporting the cause, but don't know if you want to see a um, grown woman give birth to a grown man. Yes. Yeah, that is the, the conclusion is a fully grown man is given birth by a woman in her retirement years. Uh just, I mean, I've seen some traumatizing work at Cannes. This is this is up there. This is a top three weirdest damn thing. Uh, there was an ad called Friendship uh, from from Thailand that came out a few years ago uh, that I think kind of had the bar of like everyone everyone in the awards hall was just like, what are we watching? So that's that's one to Google. Uh, look up Friendship. Uh, I don't even remember the client. It was like, uh, for, it was for an app. I want to say like a financial app or something. And I just love it. I love those little, like, uh, those little gems. Um, Shannon, anything in film this year that made you especially happy to see being honored? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> how are me surprised when I saw Crocodile Inside win Grand Prix because I was convinced that I had written that up like five years ago. Um, I, yes, this is the Lacoste ad that I think literally was like from 2019. Yes, yeah, from May 2019. Why do I know that? Because I wrote that up for the site as soon as it came up. Um, but I was so happy. And I have to just say, I'm so thrilled to see it get a Grand Prix. Whenever I talk about the type of resonant creative that really works for me, the, my favorite creative comes from brands that understand that you don't necessarily have to center your product to create resonant creative that connects with your product. Um, using your name as sort of like a conduit for just really good storytelling is such a great way to, you know, flex your creative prowess and to show that you can look beyond yourself to find really just great stories that connect with your consumer base. Whenever I think of that, I think of, two stories in, or two uh, campaigns in particular. There's uh, Shiseido's 2018 Halloween campaign, um, The Party Bus, and Lacoste's Crocodile Inside. And uh, to sort of have your product sort of recede to the background as you watch 
this tumultuous relationship go through these like growing pains and like seeing the building physically split with their argument was so like resonant and just sticks with you. So it was really nice to see that come in um, out of nowhere seemingly, because I don't think that came up with many of us when we were thinking about what could take top honors this year. I, I did not even think about it once. Um, Cause again, I, I was convinced that it was so long ago, but it was really nice to see that get it's um, just a dirt. Well, I think it was like six years ago. So there's a bit of a history here of Lacoste creates these really gorgeous uh, cinematic ads uh, every year, every other year. Uh, they're truly incredible. Like all of them uh, have been so good. They're also consistently, I won't say snubbed uh, by Cannes, but they're like silvers. And so every year something will win film. And the year that it really boiled over and I saw the actual the French journalists actually get downright angry uh, was the year that uh, Harvey Nichols, which was kind of had become a perennial uh, can winner uh, while polarizing, uh, they had won a bunch of Grand Prix for their uh, campaign. Sorry, I spent it on myself. And then they won Grand Prix in film. And I, I was the first to ask the jury, like, why? It's, I mean, the ad was fine. This was the same year as Epic Split one of the greatest ads of all time, and they made it, they, it was a tie. They were like, Harvey Nichols ties with Epic Split. And I was like, does it though? Like, are those even close? And uh, and then I thought I was, uh, I wasn't upset. I don't really have a dog in that fight. I just thought it was weird that the jury would pick an ad. If you, you can go back and watch the Sorry I Spent It On Myself ad, it's not, I don't know, it's fine. Um, and then uh, the French journalists were just like, why did you give Lacoste a silver? Like, this is your pick for Grand Prix and, like, the best ad in that France has produced in years. Uh, and so, historically, given that context, I was I was really, I was pumped. I was pumped. I was glad that, I was sorry that the French weren't there to see it in person because the French work typically does not get much of a spotlight at Cannes, uh, mm -hmm. ironically. But, uh, so yeah, I was glad to see that. Also, I'm just going to quickly note another Grand Prix winner in film because we kind of, we're just waiting all week to see if Nike, uh, you can't stop us, would win honestly anything. Uh, Nike's had a weird few years on this front. So last year, everyone thought that Dream Crazy was going to be, I'm sorry, two years ago, the last the last Can Festival, everyone thought Dream Crazy was going to be this runaway winner. And it won two Grand Prix, which is certainly not bad, but it really didn't take home near as much as people thought and juries kind of gave it quite a few bronzes and stuff this year same thing with you can't stop us which is the split screen ad that many of you may remember ad we named it the best ad of the year and so it was kind of funny all week i kept seeing it get bronzes <laughs> and i was like oh crap we called it the best ad of the year like why does no one agree with us um and film craft where i really thought it would excel because it is an ad that took thousands of hours to edit and produce and it is gorgeous it's one of the most beautifully produced ads i've ever seen um it, it got like a bronze in in that uh and so i was really curious is it even going to get anything from film, it did. It won Grand Prix, so congratulations to Widen Kennedy <laughs> too. But and also just made me feel like I wasn't quite as bad <laughs> at picking uh, great ads as as I, I like to think I am, and that the Adweek staff is. Uh, with that, I'll kind of open it up. We got a few minutes left here. Uh, Emmy, uh, any other campaigns you saw win that you thought were really interesting that more people should know about? 
Um, just a little side note that I realized the craft send nudes campaign. I don't know if anyone remembers the whole controversy with that. Basically, they were like, why are we? Yeah, it got, got pulled like two days later, right? Yeah, everyone was like, why are we telling kids to send nudes? Like, that seems mildly inappropriate. But uh, it won a creative e-commerce award. So I don't know if the can people just like didn't care or, or missed that news, but just thought I would mention that. I uh, forgot to. No, I mean, that. It, that's really interesting. So, so yeah, send nudes for mischief uh, for for a craft. Um, yeah, it got it got it got pulled. All the con- all the content around it got pulled off of craft social media channels. But they never apologized for it. They just said, "Well, the campaign was over. We, we gave away all the product. It was our best giveaway ever." And then that was it. They just didn't want to say anything else. Uh, I think because they just wanted the controversy, like the debate, to kind of go away. Uh, but it did remind me that a big winner at Cannes, and I remember being so confused about this, was nothing beats a Londoner. Kyle, you remember this one? Oh yes, I do. Nike. Yep, that was uh, that, that was, was an interesting one on the tube. Yeah. yeah, like so. Uh, Nothing beats Lender, one of my favorite ads ever. Um, but within, I want to say, two weeks of launching, it was pulled uh, and has never aired uh, officially. Uh, because another brand, I think, called Londoner, uh, sued them yep. and and made made them cease and desist. So it went on to win a ton at Cannes, and I remember being like, "So this ad that no one could watch, that like literally no one could watch, unless they went to Adweek.com and found our like embed of it." So so just to your point, I mean, I, I always think it's funny when it's like. Do they care? Did it make it better? Were they probably like maybe oh, they maybe they liked too... the drama and they just wanted to do something shocking? Who knows? Totally. Uh, Kyle, any, any others that jumped out at you? You know, I it, uh, outdoor came so early on in uh, it, it, it was early Monday and uh, people. I don't know if they they're thinking about door nearly as much as they used to, but uh, I thought the campaign for uh, Heineken the shutter ads was was really brilliant. Um, it they basically took uh, Heineken bought use their media buy to um, buy the shuttered um, bars of uh, the front, their, their bar fronts essentially and uh, put their advertising on them so they could keep them in business during COVID-19. I thought, you know, it, it was one that really addressed the pand- pandemic and the needs of the people that, uh, you know, were, were not being, you know, not making money the entire time during the pandemic. So I'm sure some, some of them are still shuttered, but I thought uh, the Heineken shutter ads, it was from uh, Publicis Italy. Uh, and they did. I, th- I thought that was a really, really nice campaign uh, in the outdoor section, which kind of got glossed over very quickly. But uh, you know, it shared it shared with a Moldy Whopper and a Renault uh, electric vehicle um, outdoor ad. So I thought I thought that was a really strong category that didn't get much love. Yeah, great showing by Publicis Italy all around this year. Just one of the one of the best shops in the world, uh, and really was on display this year. Uh, just before we wrap up for the day. Did any thoughts on this on the virtual programming side? Obviously, Can tried something. They they tried to really swing for the fences of this very ambitious uh, programming that ran pretty much all day every day. Um, and and they still had their award show hosted by Juan Senor, the most beloved man in Can. Um, I, I liked seeing Juan Senor. I the rest felt a little. I don't know, rough to, to stick with. It was long. Like each session was like an hour. And I think we at Adweek have learned that after 20 minutes of, of, of any sort of live feed, it doesn't matter if you're talking to, you know, Brad Pitt. It's like after 20 minutes, people just fade out. Now, what did y'all think of the of the programming side? Um, I would say that I, I think that they, if they would refine and kind of think outside 
of this, I don't want to say stoic image, but very polished uh, image, they could do some really great things on the virtual side and maybe integrate it into future festivals so that the festival is a little bit more accessible uh, worldwide. But yeah, like you said, there were parts where it's like, you could tell that right now they're considering the virtual side as just a means to an end. It's like, let's just do what we need to do until we can like be together in France again. But I think they really need to sort of look at their overall model and say like, if we polish this and tighten it up and maybe just have a little more fun with it outside of having once in your eat ice cream on the beach, then we can really create something that, you know, makes can just a little bit more big, a little bit bigger and a little bit more accessible and enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I think that they just sort of, I think that they really just need to look at that approach and think, you know, how can we just make this a little more engaging aside from the, um, the little emojis that they were very proud of and they were very nice. Um, yeah. Shannon, I think, I think you're right about having fun. I think, you know, they did, I, I feel so bad for Juan because he's a very good guy, but they had him running around uh, all the steps around Cannes and he, you know, kept going into locked doors and they made these, these really sad little <laughs> vignettes for him when he, you know, when he's just an amiable guy and a very good character. And I, I just thought those were time wasters. Uh, they needed to have more fun, uh, involve more people maybe. Uh, it, and of course, there were some digital flaws as well with the entire uh, thing. We, I remember one morning tuning in, and it was the previous day's effort that, and it played for it played for like five minutes, and I thought seven hey, minutes, yeah, 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 yeah. All of all of us were just like, "Am I? Wait, am I messed up?" Like, I know, I I kept refreshing. I didn't know what to do. Is this Groundhog Day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel for them. We've all we've all had like that thing go wrong with live streaming. That one was was pretty high profile. Um, you know, with, yeah, with Juan, I would say for those who don't know, he is the host of the award shows at Cannes and is just, is truly just a lovable guy. Um, I, I loved some of the vignettes when he was like, when he took on a second job as a tour guide on the little train, the Petit Train. That was good. And, uh, that was, I could have watched that all day. He's like, and of course the Etruscans colonized here before. I was like, no, keep going. I want this. I don't want the other stuff. Um, so, well, congrats to everyone uh, who who covered Can, who attended Can, who organized it for getting through it. It was. It's been a long two years. Uh, if you get a chance, you know, each of you here, if uh, those listening, it. I, I actually really do like the festival. I think it's very important. I think it's easy to dismiss it as a boondoggle. Um, I, I think, I think it, it is a boondoggle, um, but I think the networking there and the fact that everyone, it kind of flattens the creative industry in a way that if a junior copywriter is at Cannes, they are shoulder to shoulder with the CEOs and the CCOs and the CMOs of all these like major, major companies, major brands. And that's huge. That's tremendous. I, I think that's good for the industry because it forces them to actually meet people who aren't their, you know, financial peers or whatever, hanging out on yachts. Uh, and then it also just makes all of us a little more global and a little more aware. So it's, it's a good thing. Well, thank you, Shannon, Kyle, Emmy, for joining. Uh, it's It's been a week, so go get some rest. Thank you. 
course, uh, everybody will be hearing this Monday. I think we're just taking the whole week off. But as we record this, we are preparing for a weekend of much-deserved sleep. So, all right. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Nick Gardner and edited by Lane McGivney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.